We're back to Neil Haley's show, and I'm excited to welcome to my pro- the program my co-host, David Hollenbeck. David, thanks for stopping by. I know you're excited about our guest and introduce our great guest. I mean, just some of the projects he's worked on just blows me away, and some of the connects we I have run into in my career of doing over 14 years of interviews and so many celebrities. He has met some amazing people, and he's a celebrity in myself. For myself, I've been considering that with some of the, the amazing people he's worked with. Go ahead, David, with introducing our guest. Yeah, man, I, I am really excited about this. Arthur Smith, uh, we're going to talk about his upcoming book, Reach Hard Lessons and Learn Truths from a Lifetime in Television. Um, currently, I, you know, and to look at you, Arthur, it, it's hard to believe that you've been in showbiz for 40 years. I mean, <laughs> would you start when you were 10? Oh, thanks for thanks for that. No, you know, I worked for Dick Clark and, and he gave me that special serum, you know, that Dick Clark serum, you know, the old America's oldest living teenager. So uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's good genetics. But but thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks for saying that. I wow. Mean, Dick you... Clark. It started with Dick Clark. Holy cow. Go ahead, Dave, <laughs> your question. But, yeah, see, talk about the list of people he knows. But go ahead, Dave, with your next question. No, I mean, Dick, two, Dick, two sorry, Dick. Dick got me my green card. So there's a whole story about that. But Dick got me my green card. So uh, and I'm and you know, one of the most important mentors of my life. But sorry, I interrupted you. No, I mean, I, I was just gonna touch on the 200 plus shows for 50 plus networks. Uh, I mean, you've created some of the longest running unscripted series in history, including Hell's Kitchen, uh, the seven-time Emmy nominee American Ninja Warrior. Um, I, I mean the list goes on and on, and I, I, <laughs> I'm just thrilled to be talking to you. Uh, the Titan Games with with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, that's one of uh, Neil's buddies there. So no, he wore my knee pads. I wish he's, <laughs> I, you need to tell him that when I was down south uh, working in in Memphis uh, for when he before he was the Rock. But yeah, go ahead, go, go with your question, Dave. That's funny. <laughs> no, I I wanted to my first question. Uh, for Arthur is, um, who is this book for? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, um, I wrote this book really for a broad audience, to be honest with you. I'm sure there's a sweet spot for people who are interested in pop culture and, and, uh, behind the scenes of what's happening in sports and what's happening in entertainment. Um, and yes, it's filled with some great stories, stories that I never told before with, Dwayne Johnson and Gordon Ramsay and and Dick Clark and Simon Cowell and Magic Johnson and Wayne Gretzky. I, there's a lot of people in the book, but you know, it is a memoir with a purpose. You know, I didn't, you know, take the greatest stories I've ever had or the funniest stories, although I think they're some of the greatest and some of the fun, funniest or at least most interesting. But the purpose is, is, is explaining what, what I believe um, is really important. Um, and it's been important in my life is that the power of reach. And that's why the book is called Reach. I believe when you reach, um, that's your chance at achieving your full potential. Um, I believe when you reach, you find out what you're capable of. Sometimes when you reach and you think it's sometimes outside of your grasp, you you actually find out that you can do it. Um, I believe when you reach, you realize the difference between a, a, a pipe dream and what you haven't dared to try just yet. And so every story in the book um, is about some connection to this power of rage, something that I discovered. I was fortunate because I discovered it when I was very young. Um, it may not sound like it right now, but I was the shyest of all kids. 
I was incredibly shy. So shy, I was the kid my parents worried about. And something happened very early on in my life, and I talk about it in the book, um, when I was nine years old. And it, it changed my life. And I was never the same. And I didn't, I was nine years old, so I, I wasn't consciously aware of what was happening. It was all subconscious. But it did lead me on this path. And this path, I mean, I grew up in Montreal. You know, uh, there was no connection in the entertainment business. My mother was a housewife. My dad was a manufacturer. So there was no connection to the enter entertainment business. In fact, because I was so shy, television kept me company. Television was my friend. And so I would watch endless hours of television. And I still do. I am a TV-holic. My name is Arthur Smith, and I'm a TV-holic. I can't stop watching it. I love content. I consume it by the by the tons. And, you know, all this... Um, all this, like I said, played out. And when I look back through my life and I looked at, you know, what was the thing that I can draw from one thing to the next? It was this power of rage. And um, anyhow, that was a really long answer to a very short question. I apologize. No, I love shy kids, shy we have kids not shy anymore. Parts. We have to have 16 parts, Arthur, for, for short. And when you think about specifically the power of reach, I mean, I look at it like the experiences that we have in our lives. Now, I'm 50 years old now. You know, I was a former professional wrestler, former teacher. All the experiences I've had always constantly have tried to strive for more and more opportunities have come through taking chances, through going and developing relationships and looking at things. How would you define people that are not doing what you say in the name, the power of reach? What do you think it is? Is not having the highest expectations for yourself, settling for less? not knowing the possibilities that can be out there for people? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. You know, um, sometimes people overanalyze. I mean, I think, you know, so many of the breaks that I got, especially early on, I have to admit it came out of ignorance. I didn't know how the business worked. I just knew I wanted in. And so some of the things that I did, like my first job at CBC, um, you know, years ago, I grew up in Montreal and I was living in Toronto. I was still still in college, studying TV and film. I didn't know how the business worked, but I knew I wanted to work at CBC Sports. I'm a big sports fan. I love television first. Sports is my second love. And I literally camped outside someone's office for five or six hours. I didn't know how it worked. I knew I wanted to see him. I knew I didn't have an appointment. I knew I wouldn't, they wouldn't let me in. And I waited till he came out of the office and... I mean, had I known any better, had I known what I knew years ago, I would have probably never done this. But I was so ignorant that I thought, I've got to find a way to meet this guy. And I said, can I just, when he finally came out, I said, can I have 10 minutes of your time? He said, I'll give you five. And the five minutes turned into 90 minutes. And then at the end of it, he goes, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a producer. And he said, well, that's a good lifelong goal. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready now. Ignorant. Once again, I am ignorant. And he goes, well, that's not the way it works. You have to work in, you have to be a PA and you have to work in local news and then you have to work your way around. And it was a whole, whole thing. I said, well, how long does that take? And he goes, fast track five years. And so um, when I heard that, I said, well, I'm, I'm not interested, ignorant person that I was. And, and that was it. And I said, okay. But a few weeks later, <laughs> I got a phone call from his boss. And I was I was brought back to Toronto. I actually went to Montreal to see my family. And I went, actually literally turned around the car. I got to Montreal, got this message on my answering machine, and then turned around because I didn't have a cell phone because I'm old. It was way back in the 80s. Anyhow, I turned around, drove back to uh, 
drove back to Toronto and I had this meeting with all the executives, the head guys at CBC Sports, kind of guys that I looked up to because I was in a, you know, dreamed of being a producer like them. And um, they ended up hiring me and they, I was this experiment and I ended up being a producer and I was very young and ended up directing, uh, being the replay director on Hockey Night in Canada, which in Canada is everything. And then produced the Los Angeles Olympics when I was 24. And then somehow I ended up as head of the sports division. I was president of CBC Sports. I was 28 years old. And all of this happened because I put myself out there, because I reached. And not only did I reach with, you know, within that first meeting, but continually. And this is this has been the pattern. I believe we make our good fortune. And Neil, you're right. Sometimes, you know, maybe people overthink it and and overanalyze it to the point that they get stuck in neutral. It's and too neutral simple. Too it's simple. They want to look at these experts that say you need to have this in all place. Everything needs to be in place. BS. It's about who you know, going after it and asking and building and using your talents to what's your best your ability. People yeah. overthink things so much. They think they need a specific guru to you know, change things. And I got to follow this prescription plan. You talk to any famous person and I've talked to, you talked to a ton. I've talked to a ton. It isn't based on a specific prescriptive plan. They came up with it. They went for it and they kept grinding and that opportunity came. And then they took that opportunity for another opportunity. It wasn't like, you know, how these coaches are out there, these business coaches, the other people, you got to have it specifically this plan. If you don't follow this plan, it's not going to work. That's not the case. It's about believing yep. and going after it and, and doing things that are not like the average everyday person does. Am I right? Am I on the right track and looking at this reach thing? Yeah. Yes, I, I think you are. I definitely think you are. I mean, I think that, you know, um, listen, it, just because you want something doesn't make it so. Just because you're reaching for it doesn't make you so. There are lots of stories in the book, and I talk a lot about some of the successes, but I talk about my failures too. But I I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe the more you try, the luckier you get. And and I believe um, that, that, like I said, that you don't you don't achieve your full potential unless you reach beyond what you think you can do. And that's happened to me time and time again. I also, you know, believe that, and I, I, I've been blessed because I believe that it's much easier to reach from a strong foundation. And, you know, when you think of, um, you know, and when I talk, when I'm talking about that, I'm really talking about my parents because I had great parents and they, um, they were very supportive and they gave me the confidence and, you know, um, they gave me the confidence to reach. And all through my life, I, even though I lived thousands of miles, my, my parents lived in Canada. I lived in, I've been living in LA for 30 years. You know, we spoke every day and, and I went through, I went through a lot in my career. It was, you know, I was young and I was uh, producing and directing, uh, you know, when I was very young and the pressure was pretty intense and my parents were always there for me. And now it's been my family. My parents are gone. Um, and, um, and listen, uh, you know, I, I think about the analogy is like, you know, think about like when you're standing on top of a solid table and you're trying to change a light bulb, it's much easier to change the light bulb when the table is solid, right? As opposed to a wobbly table that's not secure and you're trying to change the light bulb. And so, you know, it, you know, it doesn't have to be your parents. It, for some people, for me, I was blessed with parents. I had it in my house. So I was already, um, I already had a good base to stand on and, and, um, and for some people like who, who aren't as fortunate, you know, um, 
it can come in other ways. It can come from friends. It come from siblings. It come from something. But it's very, it is very difficult when your your life away from what you're doing is not stable. There's no question about it, and and it's not impossible. It's just easier. So um, I was fortunate to to be reaching from a strong foundation, and it helped me. It helped me tremendously, and and that's why the book is dedicated to my parents, and the book is dedicated to the five women in my life, which is I I have two older sisters. I have two daughters and my wife, who's amazing. And all of them, um, they keep me grounded and they keep me sane because I'm nuts. I'm crazy. Like I, I have this restless thing. You know, it's funny, you know, in my producing life, some of my, some of the qualities that help me make people crazy outside of my work, because I'm OCD, I'm incredibly impatient um, and I'm restless. So at work, it really works well because I believe... I believe impatient people get there faster. So, so I'm like, I'm always, always want things faster. You know, outside of work, it's, you know, it's, I, I can, I can be challenging. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad, but I'm, I'm a little nuts. You know, my wife is the same one and she's amazing. And she, she, uh, she puts up with me. Right, so. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Go ahead, David, your question. This is the kind of conversation that, you know, you could just have a, a cup of coffee. I come out to LA. I definitely want to hang out one point when I'm in LA to, sure. to, I'm six foot ten, by the way. Former pro wrestler, as I said. So I'm six ten, big guy, you know. And uh, I got stories just like you, Arthur. But go ahead, David. Your question. Well, you mentioned this event when you were nine years old. Uh, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing that? Is that when your dad brought your first TV home, or? No, 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 no. It actually <laughs> happened. Um, it happened on the ice. As a true Canadian, I was playing hockey. And like I said, the, we had just moved five miles. We had moved from uh, um, five miles. That's, that was it, from one suburb to another of Montreal. But for me, it was traumatic. This shy kid moving from the friends that I had into a new neighborhood, and I wouldn't leave the house. I was, I was, not, I was not in a good way. And my parents didn't know what to do with me. And, and, uh, and I, I felt bad about it. I remember feeling bad about it, but I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And but I did play sports and I was I was a I was I, I, I was a defenseman because it was I, I didn't want to be in the limelight. And um, and they put me in they, they, they put me in a hockey league in this new neighborhood. And um, the, the, the coach looked at me and he said, um, we don't need any more defensemen. You're playing center. I said, no, 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 no. I'm a defenseman. And I was nine years old. So how can I argue with the coach? So I, I, I ended up playing center. And um, in my first game, I just survived. And in my second game, a crazy thing happened. I scored the winning goal of the game. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I had friends. All of a sudden, I said, well, maybe I should be putting myself out there. And I know it's such a weird thing, but I got to tell you, I mean it sincerely. That changed my life. I went on to become the leading scorer in the league. I don't think I ever scored a goal before that season. I was a defenseman who just did my job. I was one of the leading scorers in the league. And that led me to sports. And, and, and I started to realize, you know what? I kind of like the limelight. I kind of like being in the spotlight. I kind of like all this. And, and all of a sudden, confidence happens. And confidence such a, is such a big such Confidence a big is thing. the youth thing. You could literally, Arthur, it's the bottom line. If you're not surrounded with the right people and they bring you down, that destroys yes. everything around yes. you. And you don't. And when you figure that super genius, uh, one of my mentors, DJ Reynolds, talked about flow. you got to have flow around you. If you're not having lots of negativity, because you're going to have hard times. If you're going to try to strive for greatness, 
you're going to hit that wall. You're going to hit that wall many times. You got to have surround yourself with the right people around you because it's not the normal thing of a day to nine to five job. We're going through things and we can escape the days are over. When you're trying to reach for greatness, whatever you do, you're going to have those tough times. You're going to have those, those, those moments where you want to give up, but you got to come back, but you got to have the people around you that believe in you. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and, and, and that's the, the key thing. And I mean, you talk, I'm sure, what have you been, when you've talked to people that have read the book so far, Arthur, or have had the conversations and, and met with you, what do they say based on why you've written this book and talk, told the story? What are the, your friends, your colleagues, people around you, even yeah. people who have written the books, yeah. have read the book so far? Well, the book's just out. So, okay. you know, it just came out recently. So, but there have been some people who've read it. And, you know, I love my friends and family and, um, you know, I love their opinions and they all, they all love the book, but, but, but something happened to me and it was the first blessing, um, of writing the book. I was doing the audio, the audio book about a month ago and people have a choice to buy the book or not, right? You know, I'm going to buy it. There's people listening today. They're, they're going to either like what I'm saying or, or, or not. And they're going to, they have a choice to buy the book. The person who doesn't have a choice but has to hear the book is the audio engineer. He has no choice. He's got to sit there for four days, and it's his job. He's got to mix it. He's got to make sure the levels are there. And so for four days, you know, I'm I met this guy, and you know, there was a there was a you know someone from the publishing company listening listening in, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm doing the reading the whole book four days, seven hours a day, got it done, and I get out of the the soundstage and right before I leave, he comes up to me and he goes, I, th- I think you've changed my life. I think you've changed my life. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to push further. I realize that I'm limiting myself. I realize that I haven't reached in my life and listening to you for the last few days has changed me. I swear I got emotional. I gave the guy a hug. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I was like shaking when he said this to me. Cause you know, it's like, it's this technician who, this is what he does. He listens to the books and mixes shows. And, and like he, like I said, he had no choice but to listen to me. So, um, so that got to me. And I'm, I'm, listen, I'm really hoping that the book is entertaining. And I think it is. And I mean, certainly it's, it's got a lot of interesting people. And it's, you know, I have this great,